Right? Yeah. It's so good. Episode 262 with my three cousins, Walter, Chris Collier, and Tim Greer. I overheard them talking about DARPA, and now I'm interested. I love how you so okay, this, this Go on. Thing. This started probably about two and a half hours ago. Um, he was reading my book on climate change, and then that morphed into a conversation about uh, debt to GDP and modern monetary theory and the mythical emphasis on mythical Keynesian multiplier. And then from there, where did we go from there? Uh, we I, don't, from, I don't care where you were. Just keep going where you were. Just start off where you were. I heard you guys talking about DARPA, the so private industry. So you don't no. want us to like to, to, to no. Just keep going. I don't okay, care. Okay. So I heard you talking about DARPA. You saying DARPA, and I heard Walter say something about how they have a vampiric grip on the market. Yeah. And so then we're, we're, I heard because I was about to make just, a just keep going. Just pretend okay. that it's because not here. Just pretend you, it's not here. Keep yeah, going. Because you're saying okay. So I made the point that it's recording. I'm going to pee. Yeah. Keep talking. I think that. I have that, that Walmart has more responsibility to me than the DMV does, ironically, okay? And my point is, dude, is that with one tweet from some random fucking woke customer, Target pulled a book from sale. Now, if whether or not I agree with, I agree with it, there's a degree of responsibility to your customer base exhibited there. Okay. Uh, my counter to that is that through the, thing, the single story of the Reagan era, like the welfare queen with 13 social security numbers, uh, who supposedly bought a Cadillac despite having never worked without welfare reform, that was a big story pushed. Um, on top of that, we have other stories like in the 1990s. Okay, but what does that have to do with what I'm talking about? My point is that uh, there is some certain... Uh, some sort of public responsibility and some public accountability when it comes to a single actor acting badly uh, regarding a single story. Well, uh, Target may have pulled a book based on one tweet, but there was a push uh, towards welfare reform based on a single story of a woman who, whether or not she existed, it was a single story pushed obviously by the president. It's a little bit different. My idea is that a single... Okay, but that, that was, that was not picking the push in agenda, though. But I would argue that you are also saying the same thing because you are pointing towards um, one specific customer, in quotes, who pushed the idea of uh, a certain book being offensive as to justify their point that the book should be pulled, harder responded. You're applying, you're applying okay. this. I can give you a lot more examples that aren't just one. Person. I know. There's a lot more examples, but I can also give you more examples. I mean, the U.S. justified the evasion of Kuwait in the 1990s through the story of the uh, nurse in Kuwait talking about how they pulled babies out of incubators. My point is that you can always extrapolate a single person's story into saying that a uh, okay. much larger shift in the policy of not just uh, a public organization, but also a private organization. But we're tangentially it. off from single-payer healthcare again. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's... Am I am I correct, or am I just, like, totally well, derailing the conversation? You're correct in the sense that we are getting off the topic of the conversation. I think it's relevant to bring this up. Okay. Um, specifically in regard to... Actually, bring up Walmart as a perfect example. Um, yeah, talk again. About, Talking about exactly Walmart's a good example for a lot of things because Walmart is an idea of how um, a centralized power overseeing millions of people can actually direct some sort of incentive structure. I mean, Walmart is a company that employs three million people. Okay, it's the but second inherently the incentive structure is different between the two entities, and I don't think that that fact can be overlooked. Well, why is it different? The incentive structure between Walmart and the federal government? Not Walmart and the federal government. The federal government is a you know it's a term that really encompasses a lot of things. Um, the federal government. Yes. Don't 
boil down the federal government to a, an all-encompassing term. Like, there's more to it than that. Of course, there's departments here. So let's talk about not just Walmart versus the federal government. Let's talk about Walmart versus uh, the Defense Department or the okay. Pentagon okay. in particular. Um, I'd love to hear what your example of the difference between Walmart and the Defense Department is. Because both of them employ a similar number of people. And I would argue that they actually function very similar to one another. The Department of Defense employs, uh, I believe, about 3 million people. Walmart employs about 2 million people. Um, and I think they operate in very similar ways that is not quite as black and white as a lot of uh, conservatives who kind of employ the idea of free market fundamentalism would really uh, want to believe. So I'd like to hear what you believe the, the real difference between Walmart and the Department of Defense is. Uh, well, stated goals, first and foremost. Well, like obviously stated goals between Walmart <laughs> and the Department of Defense are different. But fundamentally, <laughs> the structure and the supply chain management, I'd love to hear they're different. Okay, well, first of all... Um, and by the way, this wraps all the way back to single. Yeah, no, no fair enough. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, my first response to that is I was going to say that the, uh, the 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 Pentagon, the DoD, like is a, is a quote unquote public institution that relies heavily on the private market. Now, you can also make the argument that Walmart relies heavily on the private market as well because, like, so um, not on the private, the public sector, but also go on, yeah. Sorry, what? The Walmart does rely heavily, despite being a private sector company. Walmart relies heavily in the public sector, but uh, the public sector, a sector as 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 a customer base, but singularly as a customer base. Well, also Walmart relies on the public sector to subsidize the low wages of their employees to essentially provide them to the point where they can have a living wage, whatever that means. In the sense that Walmart mm-hmm. okay, is one of the, a fair point. Yeah, Walmart is one of the larger uh, welfare recipients in the sense that the federal government, the taxpayer, subsidizes the Walmart employee. Uh, in regards to not only things like um, food stamps, but also in regards to you know, like Medicaid uh, insurance providing um, functions and a number of other systems. The taxpayer is really funding Walmart to allow them to pay their employees such a low wage. Uh, and also to bring back to my original point that Walmart operates very similar to the federal government. But go on with your, your point okay, about, the, well, about Walmart. I think you're making a fair point, and this is not something I've thought about, so I don't want to start, like, firing from the hip, like, uh-huh. just retort-style arguments, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, I do... I, I, I don't know. And maybe I would just kind of do this in perpetuity, like, just as a means of creating argument. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, the Pentagon is kind of, like, another outlier example in that... The Pentagon operates um, and has mandates far different um, in scope and desire and intent uh-huh. than a lot of other public sector uh, agencies, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? And they, they operate in latitudes that are not provided to other types of government organizations. Um, so think budget, uh, where you're willing to turn a blind eye, what they're willing to do, what's at stake, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, like, take, we'll come back to the DMV, right? So you say, well, what's going to happen if the DMV doesn't get to operate in the way that they want to? People are going to have to wait in lines. Like, that uh, frustrates the shit out of people, but it is not nearly as salient an argument as saying, um, if we hamstring the Pentagon, ISIS might wind up with a nuclear weapon. You know what I mean? But... To bring in the idea of, uh, you know, underfunding the DMV leading to longer lines, for example, uh, the reason that happens... Tim, watch your foot. That's where the broken glass is. Uh, a similar example is because the DMV is also has a monopoly on the idea of driver's licenses, for example. 
uh, in a similar fashion, if you look at the way that Walmart operates in a lot of rural America, they have essentially a monopoly on providing goods and services to people in rural America. Regardless of how much you disagree with the way the DMV or Walmart functions, they are both going to really not lose much of a customer base because of the fact that you really can't go anywhere else. Disagree, dude. Okay. Insert Amazon. Amazon absolutely is taking over the place of Walmart, but I'm glad you brought up Amazon because Amazon is heavily um, heavily subsidized by the U.S. Postal Service. They were at their inception. They continue to be heavily true, subsidized. True, true, true. And, and to that point, the U.S. Postal Service has been a means to an end to the point I'm about to make, but Amazon is now creating an independent distribution network, right? Really? Which, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, hundred percent. Sorry. Yeah, like um, so, where you would used to see like UPS eighteen wheelers ripping down the highway, now alongside those you'll see Amazon ones. Okay. Right. So like, uh, you like anything from like meme videos about the quality of like shipping industry, like shipping companies or delivery companies. Um, You'll see now not just USPS, FedEx, and UPS, but Amazon as an independent parcel service. Oh, I didn't know that. So, oh yeah, dude, and they're gonna get into all types of shit like, like probably, cargo, probably cargo planes. Uh, no, that that yeah, I don't. But that falls under the umbrella of like parcel service. Uh, okay. I'm talking about like entire industries, like uh, healthcare, for example. Like you will see. Uh, health, uh, you will see Amazon become a purveyor of health. Kind of, and I don't, I don't want to jump into this conversation because I'm enjoying watching this, but I was going to say, yeah, it's almost like when someone gets really rich and then they start investing in a bunch of different fields to maintain that wealth no yeah. matter what. Yeah, no, no. Amazon uh, starts as Amazon and it's just creeping in everything. Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, and someone else um, got into a, like a healthcare initiative, uh, I think a year and a half ago or two years ago. Um, and I forget what it's called and what the stated goals are, but essentially it's like something to do with a particular type of healthcare system that they want to develop and they're rolling it out with their employees first as like, you know, a proof of concept. But either way, like, so, so Walter, like I think I, 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 I see the points that you're making. I think you're making fair points. And I honestly think that right now I'm only going to be able to provide like hit fired argumentative counterpoints for the sake of making them because I haven't really thought this out that much. Okay. Well, I mean, well, I'm not entirely sure what you're referring to with the Amazon ruling out uh, No, you said Well, no, I... You said Walmart providing the only goods No, 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 no. So I only brought that up because he was asking about Amazon getting into different sectors. Sorry. Okay. Well, I actually want to... This actually has some carryover here because if you look at the way that the CIA in particular operated in the 1980s, um, despite the fact that, much like Amazon, they were initially subsidized by the U.S. government, they eventually... The CIA? Yes. No shit. Yeah, well, my point is that they eventually branched into their own form of uh, money-making with the way that they <laughs> yeah. actually... Exactly. Yeah. I ran contra with the idea that they <laughs> funneled cocaine. cocaine to the U.S. <laughs> yes, exactly. So my point is that while... Dale Comstock, episode 50. Exactly. Well, despite the fact that Amazon and Walmart... Or, excuse me. Amazon and the CIA are two wildly different companies. They both take advantage of the fact that they enjoyed a combination of both public sector funding as well as providing their own ways to okay. raise assets to fund their own fair, operations. Fair enough, dude. But again, I, I'm going to counter with that that I think that that's purely capitalistic opportunism and that they would be able – 
maybe not, but almost just as easily without that that public sector tit to suck off of. You know what I mean? So then why has there not been a viable alternative to Amazon that has arisen entirely from private sector money? And why is it in fact that you're going to find very few companies of that size that have not come about without any government money? Because it's Amazon. Oh, okay, but dude, now now are we making like a fucking Elizabeth Warren style argument that there's no such thing, like you didn't build that and there's no such thing as like private capitalism because you utilize the roads and infrastructure that was paid for with public money? Well, it'd be different if you're talking about just the roads and infrastructure that were available to every single company that was starting up. I know that's an unfair equation. I understand that, but I'm just like, I'm making a, a straw man argument. Yeah, and... It's a valid argument, except you're ignoring the fact that Amazon was not entitled to all the same public services that all other companies were in the United States. Amazon was given a very special set of rules that applied only to Amazon, which allowed them to flourish. And the justification was that ultimately economic growth and everything would increase. Uh, however, this all ties back into my original argument, universal healthcare, single-payer healthcare, rather, that by providing a simple source of public sector funding at the very in, uh the reception of these projects, that if you allow them to grow and flourish, eventually they will pay for themselves many times over. I'm not going to deny that Amazon, through the few billions of dollars of public funding they took at essentially their inception, not just their inception, but throughout their growth as a company, that they eventually became very profitable and also provided a service that was so beneficial to the U.S. public that very few people would say that their tax dollars were wasted going towards Amazon. My point is that when it comes to single-player healthcare, when you provide a certain amount of money at the get-go, the inception of these projects, eventually, as time goes on, it could be 10 years, it could be 20 years, it could be a very long time, they will pay for themselves many times over. So that's kind of why the Amazon argument, I think, really wraps up uh, kind of the culmination of switching from a private sector to a public sector model when it comes to single-payer healthcare. Because much like Amazon, you have to put in money at the get-go, and it's also going to be a bit of a rough transition into getting things going. But eventually, when it comes to single-payer healthcare, things are going to pay for themselves many times over, not just in actual preventative measures when it comes to, uh, you know, simple uh, diseases like asthma where you have to provide an inhale. I know I brought that up before. Um, but also in the entrepreneurship opportunities created by people not being tied to their employer-based health care. And also eventually to getting rid of a lot of the bloat that comes along with dealing with the relationship that the U.S. public sector health care, like Medicaid, Medicare, as well as uh, FICA and also these... Uh, I can't remember the exact organization name that supplies DOD employees, but things like that. The way that that uh, set of organizations, the relationship that they have with the private sector, the interactions are largely contributing to the bloat of the system and to the cost of the public health care market as we know it, as well as the private health care market. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into the system that are creating the large cost of health care, but it can largely be eliminated through a sort of single centralized uh, a single centralized provider of healthcare, provided there is a bit of a transition at first. Uh, Walmart is also a good example of what I'm talking about because of the fact that Walmart, like I've said before, Walmart has about 2 million employees, the department has 3 million employees. Despite that fact, Walmart has created a system where from the top down, they managed to supply a certain quality of product that has existed for a long time. It's a uh, centralized power of sorts in the private sector that 
supplies millions of people with a variety of products and employment, yet they have done so efficiently despite the fact that, you know, free marketing services have talked about the fact that the free market requires many individual actors to uh, interact with one another and both fail and succeed to create the best possible product. Okay, there's a lot wrapped up yeah, in that. I know. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to try to hold all these thoughts at once. Uh, number one. Um, fuck, the first. Okay, so you're talking about the allocation of public monies as as like a seed for an idea or, 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 exactly. or whatever it might be. Okay, if... Um, if I provide you with money to go to dent to to to, to go to, to uh, what what do you call dentistry school? Just, Just dental school. school. Dental school. To go to dental school. Am yeah. I a dentist? No, but okay, you are somebody. No. Okay, but because but okay. But I just because I provided you with funds to do something doesn't mean that I had the wherewithal, infrastructure, drive, or ability to make it happen. So I see what you're saying, and I and I, I think we're now talking about two completely different arguments, which is funding. You guys going up? Good night, Pat. Good night, guys. Good night, Tasha. Funding for versus execution and, and execution of. And then you're talking about like when you were getting into talking about single payer that I think you were making more an argument for, again, not like an, an argument for not necessarily uh, an explanation of like you're making an, ar- an argument for doing it versus an, an explanation for execution. You know what I mean? So you're saying. We need to do it, and again, like I said, like my political priors, like give me this guttural reaction, like uh, single payer healthcare. But when I think about it intellectually, I'm like, I think that like that is that is that is ground I'm willing to cede because I think that ultimately it's in the greater good. Like I don't think that the healthcare system serves the public and mass the way that we need for a better America. Um, but again, like you were just making an argument for, like, I don't, I don't see how any of that equates to execution of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's about, you know what I'm saying? But, and then and I just want like, we'll, we'll hit on all these things, but I just want to like get this out before I lose the idea. Right. Uh-huh. And then the last like thing that kind of stuck out to me was you're talking about like top down, um, centralized control, top down management. I, I see nothing that's anti-private sector about that. Like, like if you talk to any um, any entrepreneur, any capitalist, I would imagine at least the ones that I've talked to or that I listen to, they're like, "This is my company. I like, I'm going to respond to market needs and market demands. But this is my company. I might have like a group of people that I deal with. I might consult." But I'm the one that's dictating how my company is run, and I live or die based on the quality of my arguments and the quality of the product that I'm putting forward and the way that I do so. And just the, then you talk about the way that they interact with other private entities. Now we're getting into an argument of the system, not necessarily like like one particular organism of the private market. You know what I mean? So you have a bunch of different top-down organisms that all exist within the private sector that work together to accomplish something. I don't see, like, it seems to me like you're equating top-down management to something that is inherently public, and I don't, I don't see that 
I don't see that link at all. Well, so regarding that, does that make sense? You, yeah, you follow what I'm saying. I understand what you're saying, which is that the, I think what it really boils down to is that the public sector has a lot less accountability than the private sector, or vice versa, rather. The private sector has more accountability. Ooh, disagree, than the man. The private sector has accountability to shareholders the, in the market. That's that's more what I meant. Is that the private? You're you're saying the private sector has more accountability than the public sector. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because dude, look how much fucking bullshit comes out of the, the government. I would count. Like, do you think that the government is efficient? Do you think that the government does, like, dollar for dollar, a good job at executing? I would say it's that the, it's it's goals. I would say that what, a lot outside, of the policy, not I'm sorry, not outside of the Pentagon. I would say I was going to say Manhattan Project. Yeah, yeah, I would say outside of the Pentagon, which has which is built on a foundation of pork. I'm not going to argue that. Like, I, I would say they... Watch me. I would say they don't do a good job. Yes, so I do agree the public sector has a lot of problems specifically with the bloat and the fact that it costs a lot of money to do anything in this country. Where else do you fail up the way that you do in the government? Well, look at how many executives caused the market crash in 2008 to continue to have high-paying jobs. And you know why that is? Because they got federal bailouts. Yes, why did they get federal bailouts? Because the lie of too big to fail was propagated on the American people. Why was it, uh, why did things, okay, but it wasn't a lie of too big to fail, it was a reality, which is that things are too big to fail. No, I disagree. So, um, you, are you familiar with Peter Schiff at all? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I definitely will hear a lot about his, like, like, what? heart. Is that leaning in now? Yeah, it is. It's starting to change shape. Yeah, that's about to collapse. Oh, no, it's still supported. I'm not really sure what's going to do that, to be honest. I mean, let's that's just... just uh, that is <clears throat> a destined to hurt. Nobody's touching Just, you know, let's uh, pretend that's not there. And yeah. Chris was definitely just leaning right, against so, that. So, like, he has this, like, completely unadulterated, like, raw belief and ideal in capitalism. And I don't buy that. Like, I, I am... I definitely am much more of a, excuse me, capitalist, like mm-hmm. protectionist slash free marketist than I think a lot of my friends would be, for example. Mm-hmm. But he's like, unrestricted capitalism will always result in safe, globally beneficial outcomes, period. And uh-huh. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Of course. Um, but... I do think that there's something to be said. Dude, I fucking just lost my train of thought. Who cares? Um, just give you It doesn't matter. No, I know. But I was going to make Pe- a Pentagon efficiency built on pork outside of the Pentagon. Government efficiency. Do you think the government's efficient? Bailouts. Oh, yeah, yeah, bailouts? yeah, yeah, yeah. The, ba- the bailouts. And why do I think that... Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too big to fail, right? Yes. So, um, <clears throat> I think he made a very good point about 2008, right? Uh-huh. Which was we had this whole lie propagated upon us that was, you know, banks are too big to fail and the system can't be allowed to go through a natural restructuring based on its own bad action, right? Based on the results of its own bad action. And like, let's all take this with the caveat that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about and I I am very open to the idea that I'm just totally wrong. But... This whole podcast is based on that. Yeah. I mean, not this episode, this podcast. (laughs) Um... But once, once you get people believing that X cannot fail, that X failing equals disaster, mm-hmm. you will then do anything. And that 
And that means, that, and part of that is, you will take the people that generated this, keep them in power because they're the only ones that know how to do it, and you're going to give them a bunch of money to do so. Okay. And, but, but, so, not to, to draw on about this, but, and again, dude, really, I could be fucking wrong, but you don't think that allowing... And, and what happened after all of that happened, right? We saw the greatest consolidation of wealth and banking power after Dodd-Frank than had ever existed in the United States because regulation became so prohibitive that now banks can't pay to keep up with the regulation, so they get bigger, right? Now we now have the five biggest banks that have ever existed as a result of that, right? Yes, and... The reason, so there would have been pain, but I don't think that there would have been system-wide disaster. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned this concept, um, which is the idea of too big to fail being kind of a. Uh, you act as if this was something that naturally came about. I know you mentioned regulation specifically propping up the idea of the monopolizing bank and the fact that banks consolidate with one another to essentially create such structures that too big to fail. However, it's, it's worth bringing this back to my original point that. By seeding money, because um, dude, who who wrote these regulations? Well, banking lobbyists. Exactly. You and you. There's listen. I I am not gonna buy for one second that banks are paying hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars to lobbyists to write regulations that they're not cool. <laughs> of course. And well, it's not to be fair. No, yeah. nobody, nobody really keep us in check, guys. Yeah, yeah I mean that that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure that you you're you're you're. you're Strong arbiters of truth and fair. I know I'm doing cocaine off a of hooker's ass on a on a speedboat made of gold, but you know. I got a best. I got a best. Keep keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Well, okay. Well, I want to ask you about what I listened in on when I heard you guys talking and uh-huh. impromptu. Well, I, I, have a few, I have a few points for Tim as well. Yeah, uh, but I just want to fill the gap while he's pissing. Okay. Um, just real quick, what are you saying about uh, DARPA and vampiric effects on it wrapping around the industry and sucking out money? I just thought that was well, cool. I, uh, I thought it was cool wording. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I was talking about the um, the fact that DARPA and the, really the Pentagon, um, the Pentagon's budget is largely just a vampire that is actually acting in the American public sector in the sense that the Pentagon has repeatedly throughout time used public sector money to seed projects. Um, in such a way they only benefit the private sector. It's not just a matter of DARPA. It's also a matter of, obviously, the, the main project of DARPA, which people are familiar with, is the internet itself. Yeah. You can also look towards the GPS. You can look towards um, the nuclear weapon. That's something that's necessarily benefited the But even nuclear energy, market. it never took over like Eisenhower wanted it to. You're right about that. Um, it was supposed to be power too cheap to meter. It was supposed to take over. It was supposed to surprise... It's, and it does what? I mean, what? What, what is this? It does very I, I, you, said, you said nuclear... Can you come closer? For audio? Nuclear power. Um, nuclear power. And I said it's... Um, it was... You guys get back to your argument. Uh, well, I, it's... it's uh, I'm going to try and address the best I can, which is that... This is, again, the idea we're talking about of... Um, the idea of seeding money in order to prevent or rather benefit society as a whole. Um, and it's funny you brought up the idea of consolidation of banks... Because this is largely something that you saw as a result of not just a public sector and a politician attempt to increase the power of banks, but also as a lack of willpower to decrease the effective consolidation of monopolies in the market. Um, This is, again, something that could have been prevented, the idea of too big to fail, but rather it was something that was allowed to continue as a result of not just a lack of regulation, but a lack of enforcement of regulation. Um, this has everything to do with really with my 
kind of also important with everything, which is that the government has to make some sort of concerted effort in order to create good ideals. It's not just a matter of preventing bad ideals, but rather that they have to actively attempt to create some good in order to ultimately benefit society as a whole. This is really the ultimate uh, argument, in my opinion, of the single-parent healthcare model. It's not just that it would reduce bloat, it would reduce cost, it would make people's lives easier, but that in order, in just providing a little bit of not only money, but also reorganization of the structures, you would ultimately, after some time, reduce the overall costs of the system. Um, healthcare is very unique in the sense that, obviously, it's not as much of a, uh, an insurance as something like, you know, homeowner's insurance where, uh, you know, occasionally somebody goes bust, their house burns down, for example, and as a result of the policy they're paying into ever so slightly, they ultimately reap a great reward that benefits them uh, over everything else. Healthcare is unique because everybody uses it essentially every year for smaller uh, transactions. And when you fail to actively seek out healthcare, it's not just that it is a negative effect on you as an individual in that particular moment, but rather that as your health problems grow worse and worse, it's eventually, a yeah, it becomes a much and bigger an burden. On the system. One. Exactly, an exponential burden, and it's something that by just a little bit of preventative care at the beginning, you can really stop the system from, or rather, the individual case from ballooning out of control and preventing a lot of bloat that just didn't have to be there to begin with. Just like with 2008 with the bailouts, just a little bit of push in the right direction at the very beginning. And when I say beginning, I mean like 1999, not repealing Glass-Steagall, would have prevented 2008 by preventing the systems from coming in and coalescing as they did in order to allow for this massive meltdown of the entire system. Um, I'm forgetting exactly what other points you made at this. Well, let's, honestly, dude, let's forget about all that because like... We're, I want to get back onto this topic because, like, we've gone so far off topic. I would like and, to hear about nuclear weapons. Okay. No, just keep, keep, keep going, keep going. Okay, so... I'm just being... Because I, I... Honestly, dude, this is an argument that I rarely have with people that doesn't just devolve into, pro, like, just slinging... Tribalism. Yeah. And then eventually turns into, well, you're a faggot, and, I hate your hair. I think we're having, like, a legitimate good faith argument. And like I said, man, like, I really am open to the idea that I think that the healthcare system is broken. And I'm really open to the idea of... For all of my my beliefs and personal responsibility, yada yada yada, in generating a system that creates a better America and a healthier America that has more capital available to pursue ends besides just preventing preventable death is 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 innately beneficial. So I I hear everything you're saying, but like the arguments that you're making to me right now feel like arguments to convince me that single payer could be a good idea. Okay, I'm sold. Single payer could be a good idea. Now, here's the, the like obviously the fucking like the 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 Jupiter sized ball of wax that is the problem of healthcare in this country, single payer versus private person versus what the fuck ever, which is do you have any arguments that you can make to me as to why we should pivot not just no not not why how we could effectively pivot away towards something like a single payer plan because dude I agree 
reactive medicine is garbage. I think a lot of the reactive medicine we use is garbage. I think that preventative medicine, in a more holistic sense, not to use the woo word that I think, similarly to regulation, stirs up a lot of that guttural reaction from people when you say something like holistic whole body medicine, right? Um, how do we, uh, given the situation that we're in, move towards something like that in an effective manner? So, uh, a few things to address this in particular. If I was to propose to you uh, that a system worked 33 out of 34 times, I'm talking as far as, you know, obviously the negotiation of pharmaceutical prices between the public sector healthcare uh, industry as well as the private sector pharmaceutical industry is a good example of it. However, um, I would go back to actually looking at the way that pharmaceuticals are developed. Again, looking at the fact that they are really as at the most basic level created by public interests. They are created by public research universities and medical schools. Pharmaceutical companies then take advantage of the compounds that are discovered by these institutions, run them through very expensive trials to create the best possible product, market it, bring it to market. So you can look at the idea of lowering the cost of pharmaceuticals, which is tremendous. It's a, uh, you know, many hundreds of billions of dollars industry. You can reduce the cost of the industry in that regard by not just getting rid of the legislation, preventing negotiation of prices between Medicare, Medicaid, and other public sector, public sector insurance companies um, and private pharmaceutical companies by also just being the middleman to begin with and actually uh, tying up more government grants to institutions that are developing these incredible medicines as well as institutions that are... The fuck, man. Um, lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> institutions that are uh, ultimately creating a greater benefit at a much lower cost than the private sector actually could. Um, so that's just one example of how we could actually create a public sector option that really worked. Um, another example is <coughs> uh, the idea that we can eliminate a lot of bloat exactly through reducing the number of people that are required to negotiate the various systems that already exist between the public and private sector. The fact that you know public sector hospitals have to go private sector insurance companies and various payouts and the fact that there is an issue of hundreds of thousands of people that is associating with uh, with actually managing this bizarre system of coding and negotiations and everything else. Um, dealing with all of that and also with preventing the number of healthcare conditions by imposing regulations not only on you know certain additives to foods but also through preventive uh, medicine which is a huge part of it. Uh, getting rid of a lot of the um, people that are frankly grifting off the system in the private sector, you then would have to go to a, uh, a sort of point of essentially just lowering the age of Medicare eligibility until you work your way all the way down to zero, and that's how you'd actually get to the idea of a Medicare for all, for lack of a better term. You can call it whatever you want, if a single-payer healthcare, but you'd have to just essentially lower the age of eligibility slowly over time, uh, gradually work out the actual uh, private sector actors and insurance company, uh, subsidize the cost, or rather subsidize the quality of public insurance, and then slowly but surely drive the private sector industries out of the marketplace over time, not dramatically, before you finally garnished a public healthcare option that actually worked. This could take, you know, this could take decades, frankly, 
but it's a matter of not just political will, but also of affordability because we can't continue to go down the path that we currently are. That's really the entire kind of culmination of everything I would do. And, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, we don't really know how we're talking about, but this is just some obvious solutions I can talk about, about lowering the cost of insurance and not just lowering the cost of insurance, but increasing the public good by preventing a lot of the issues that come up with, um, having a lot of people uninsured or a lot of people that are afraid to leave their insurance companies. Okay. I feel like. I just listened to a bunch of democratic think tank, think tank intellectualizing. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's. Those are those are very specific utopic ideas to me. Maybe utopic is overreaching, but okay, you've done nothing to convince me as to how any of that could be effectively implemented. So. Like, I, I want, like, let's stick on this idea of, like, personal responsibility and, and and proactive medicine as opposed to reactive medicine. Two very different things. Proactive medicine, which, uh, let's... No, I agree, and I yeah. think that's part of the problem, right, is proactive versus reactive medicine. Because if you wait for somebody to get 300 pounds, fucking have um, arteries made out of fucking quick cement, and then fucking go to the hospital, to go to the ER, uh-huh. to find out that they need... To take care of their health, like that is reactive medicine. That's then put, say, a five thousand dollar burden on the on the system for one visit. Right, and this is something that can be um, discouraged, and overall, as a larger system, the cost can be reduced by actually making some of those proactive measures towards regulating some of the things that people are actually eating, which is ultimately what leads to obesity. Okay, dude, the reason I why the U.S. is so important in other countries. Dude, there's there's a role in that, but I think that there's or with that, but the, I feel like there's so much more that, like, like to me, I feel like that's just like a nothing to see here phrase as we try to clean up a bunch of shit in the background. Um, Excuse me. You could, you could, I mean, you would basically to have that be effectual, I think, you would have to regulate people down to grass-fed meat and broccoli as their diet and that's just not going to work there would just be a black market for fast food yeah. so what, what is it do you think is different between I think the it needs to be it needs to be a culture culture to the US something like France or Japan where people are much less obese culture uh, culture is definitely a lot of it but I would argue that culture is not just the result of individual actions and uh, certain social norms that incentivize people to do certain things but also a result of the financial incentive to drive people towards eating. What do you think about the idea of let them fucking die? Towards letting people who are actually unhealthy die. You're not going to fucking take care of yourself. Why the fuck should I pay to have you to to keep you alive? Because it's a short-term solution to a very long-term problem. Is it? People realize that they're going to fucking die if they don't take care of themselves. Uh Sink or swim. You don't think that that has long-term implications? Well, you don't think that's what we currently have? No, because we pay to keep it alive. How many people... How many people just putz along the way that they are by either going to extreme debt or just not even giving a fuck about bills, which then gets subsidized by you and I? I don't think that that's a totally invalid argument. However, I would say that... The problem with that statement is that, first of all, you know, as people who are extremely unhealthy just die, that more people are going to come along and replace them one way or another. Um, I think that you're 
failing to realize the fact that again, I'm bringing this back to my original point of kind of everything, which is that by just doing a little bit at the beginning, you can a lot of the social. I, I do. I feel like you're you're putting a bucket at the end of the hose as a, as opposed to trying to address the rate of flow out of the hose. It's funny because I would actually argue. Your specific because uh, like I'm not I'm not actually that. advocating let them die. No, I know it's more of a. Uh, I actually a, was a, a straw man or just kind of uh, using it to exemplify your. Okay, so like let's hold on, let's parse this out for a second because like don't like the idea of regulation, but intellectually will acknowledge the value of some regulation. Uh-huh. So. As a person that knows a little bit about health and food, like the, the quote-unquote food that we give people in this country, it's fucking atrocious. And it's definitely killing them. Uh-huh. So do I think that... I, I will honestly I think that the best way around that is to create some sort of um, market incentive away from using that type of food so you want to talk about using public money to create a greater good what if you were to create public financial incentives um, directed at private market to increase the value of food because it's fucked up when buying a pound of grass-fed beef and a head of broccoli cost me more than a fucking Big Mac, 10 chicken nuggets, an XL, you know, a fucking XL drink, and... But isn't that free market? And some fries. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, and that's uh, really a lot of what I'm talking about, actually. It's not only just regulating as far as banning certain additives um, that have been shown to, you know, make people unhealthy in regards to boosting inflammation and encouraging, you know, obesity in many different regards. And there's a lot of different compounds. It is free market. It is free market. Exactly. Well, this is the example of free market solution, which is that not only can you... No, no, no. no, no, Hold on. Because I think that's a fair argument. Because... Dude, that's him. Because that's the direction of the free market. That's the way that it's been incentivized right now. Now... If you want to incentivize the free market in another direction, to pick up off your point of public money going towards free market to create a don't if you don't break. Yeah. Who did that? Chris. Pat, Pat. Chris did it. Chris did it, sure. Go on. Using public funds to incentivize um, the the quote unquote free market or private market towards a greater public good, why not? Use public funds to incentivize private market towards providing better, better food sources. Well, I don't really disagree with that. Um, you I mean, don't th- you like as just like, just like an intellectual argument. You don't think that that could be more effective than just saying you can't do this? Oh, I think it's a matter of both. Actually, I, I think that you have to uh, incentivize the free market in order to provide a more beneficial public good. Just as you know, right now we actively subsidize farmers to grow more corn, for example, and ultimately that's why the cost of corn is so cheap and why uh, high fructose corn syrup is such a common added to food. King corn. Exactly. We can, you know, point towards healthier, whatever that means, options. That feeds back climate problem because monocropping is horrendously detrimental to the topsoil of this country. Right. So you can really accomplish, you can kill two birds with one stone here by actually actively funding. Did you know that monocropping in the United States kills 7 billion animals a year? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not surprised that, you know, factory farming kills far more is, than that. But as far as the number of animals killed, I don't really think that's a, a I don't think that's actually. true. Factory farming kills 7 billion animals a year. 
It might be. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Tyson kills like 50 million chickens. 50 million chickens is a far cry. A week. A week. Yeah, I mean, I'm think, pretty sure when, when it's, you buy when you buy a pack of six chicken breasts, that's three dude, look, chickens that look at killed. look it up. It's in it's like hundreds of millions. Uh, yeah, in like a I week. think it's, it's four point seven billion. I already think that the yeah. number of animals killed is. A, I also I, so as a, a staunch advocate at, of a meat based diet, um, I think that uh, factory farming or like you know factory um, livestock is also horrendous. Yeah, but at the same time, what's more important, having healthy food or having cheap food? Because for the vast majority of people, don't have enough money. No, I agree, and that's an argument towards it's like we could all have a bunch of great, like like free range food, but if you got like four kids and you're a single parent, you're just like, I don't give a fuck. Just give me the cheapest thing. It's about nine billion a year, by the way, just for reference. Yes, from factory farms. Yeah, that's a quick check. Nine billion a year, Um, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, I mean, exactly what Tom just said, which is that uh, you have to, uh, you know, provide people with an alternative not only to not look towards the cheapest option, but to actively seek the healthiest option, not because they really want to ultimately, and that's a good thing, but because it's the cheapest option for them instead of the unhealthiest option being the cheapest option for them. Um, looking towards, you know, school lunches, for example, even though... It shouldn't be the case that schools are the provider of lunches for a lot of children. The reality is that unless you want to address that issue, which is a much larger issue, you have to look towards school lunches being something that's more of a solution than a problem and encouraging healthy eating habits from an early age. Instead of just giving kids the cheapest possible food, yeah, options. but that's gonna that's gonna. But even that, there's gonna be a black market of kids just bringing lunchables. Fair enough, but but he speaks to an important point, which is the re envisioning of the way that we teach diet, because right. the way that we teach diet is horrendous. Like, um, food pyramid. Yes. Food also, pyramid just is fucked up. Quick question. Uh, quick point is that uh, if the price of lunchables was let's say seven dollars a container, not a single parent would send their child to school with lunchables every day. Uh, part of the Part of the problem is that not only is it expensive to eat healthy, but it's too inexpensive to eat cheaply. Um, isn't that isn't that free market? Like if everyone decided we wanted like if everyone decided we wanted salad, someone's gonna find out how to give us salads cheaper. No, but I agree. But that's why I'm not a laissez-faire free market. I'm, uh, I'm just I think I'm just throwing in protectionism, and you could say protection from abroad, protection from within. So, Do you think that it's even kind of like pointless to argue all these grandiose things when in reality the people at the very top are just well, going to take care of themselves? I don't think that we're trying to submit any sort of like plan to Grand the White House. Grand plan, yeah. We're, we're, like we're sending this to the White House when it's finished. We figured it out, guys. Yeah. No, but the way that we teach diet is completely backwards. Like the idea of like processed seed oils and vegetable oils as a healthy alternative to animal fat is completely asinine. So is the move to just accelerate technology as fast as possible in hopes that we find like just answers to all the problems? No. Wait, say that again? Just kind of like, and it's a stupid approach, but it's a simple, it's a more simple approach to just be like, just go on like a Manhattan Project arms race to getting, developing hyper-intelligent AI and then kind of just punching in the question. I tend to agree I mean, that, with Elon Musk about AI. Just dystopian. Yeah, but I tend to have that view about things. It seems like it's kind of inevitable. <laughs> oh my god, my oldest. Christopher? Shout out, Chris. You guys should draw on him. <laughs> do you think that that's going to be a thing, or do you think that's already happening in a, a Manhattan Project arms race for hyper-intelligent so AI? Sad. Because uh, think about it. 
Like, I'm a moron. I don't know anything about football. You can give me 50 of the best football players and allow me to have 50 players on the field versus a Bill Belichick with five players. His mind is going to use the same, uh, a fraction of the pieces to beat me. Do you think the ultimate thing is going to be not even building a bigger army or a bigger economy? Do you think it's going to be the first nation to develop, like, God-tier AI? Yeah, obviously. So do you think that's going on right now? Yeah. So, do you think you could take that God tier okay, thing, but I think that plug that, in all the data, and be like, to, solve obesity? Just, okay, I don't think the mere fact that other countries are doing it now means that it's no longer dystopian. I think it's a dystopian act. I, I think it's a race to the bottom. Is there any way that we can get out of this, or, or, is, or is Pandora's box open? Ah, I think Pandora's box is open, yeah. Yeah, do you think Pandora's box is open? We can say we shouldn't be doing this, but I mean... Yeah, it's like it's after the bottom. It's like after July 16th, 1945. It was like no one else should build nukes, but it was like, come on. Yeah, again. <laughs> so, but that being said, that being said, but Pandora's box is open, so now that it's open, should we at least win the race to the bottom? Wait, what? It's already open. Yeah. Chris passed out drunk. Happy Thanksgiving. It's like not taking a picture. No, no, no. We're doing a podcast on Murray. Um but I was gonna say, do you Carmen. think that it's like there's no way we can undo this? Like Carmen, we're already so we're already so racing. Carlin, come inside. This is why we need AI. I mean, I think it's, to leave our human chains behind. An argument that uh, I'm sorry, I'm derailing y'all's argument. I think we derail ourselves. Yeah, I think that's there's good. no topic. But do you but do you think that's because that's one thing I've often thought about though. It seems like AI is the new because what was the first like Wait, big like Jesus like the first big jump was like was the first like true like jump above was nuclear weapons. Like we were all kind of building faster planes and piercing bullets and bigger boats. The first true like there was actually a debate in the United States and like between 45 and 47 and Annie Jacobson talks about this in her book DARPA the Pentagon's brain she's the chick that wrote uh, like Operation Paper Vanish Kill yeah yeah she's so hot yeah there's (laughs) there's um she went on Rogan but she won't go on my podcast fucking conceited bitch but like um, with DARPA there was actually an argument in public discourse between 45 and 47 Just let them all die. No. <laughs> but there's an That's argument. Be- there's an argument between 45 and 47 about should we go in and just wipe the Soviets off the map because we will never have this high ground again. And it was actually in like public debates. And there was even oh, I think before there was, 49. Before 49, before Joe won, and they and it was said they're gonna get one. There was even like notable pacifists. I think Bertrand Russell said, I think we should just. I think the quote was like, we should just lick the Soviets. We're on top. That's gnarly. That's gnarly. That being said, <laughs> that being said, they started building them. Then it was no longer an option. Do you think that 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 possibility is coming up again with AI? Whoever has the AI is now in charge. Whoever gets the big one, it's going to be the first thing that's happened since forty-five. And then there's going to be that gap between: can we go from forty-five to forty-nine? Can we use this AI to just wipe out everyone else? I don't think we're going to get the AI before the rest of them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Whoever gets to it first is going to have that window. Should we just destroy everyone else? What? Uh, no, we live in too integrated a world to do he that. Said, hmm. Walter? I think that ultimately AI will be a detrimental uh, force 
force. Do you think? Do you think it's coming out of us, just like we kind of came out of apes? Do you think it's just the next He's tier? Fine. Do you think it's just the next extension? Hmm. And He's thinking. Do you think it's just the next extension okay. of like it's the next species? Do you think we're just birthing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jorogan says. Oh, sorry. But is is that? So is there any way to stop it? Walter, you hit the wall, huh? I just hit this thing. I feel like you guys have died. Do you want me to end it? No, I was just, I was just severely distracted. I yeah, I was, was, distracted. I was extremely distracted, actually. I was very um, distracted. I was extraordinarily yeah. distracted. I, I just just extraordinary. so much enjoyment out of fucking with him? Just let him sleep. Why not? Because he doesn't react. Look at him. I'll stay like that for two hours. <laughs> so, is there any way to stop it, or is it just to stop AI? Yeah. No. Or is I the best? Or is the? Or so then is what is the only move left? And there's no topic. I'm just kind of. Just, I don't fucking know, dude. I think is uh, the only move to try to merge with it. It's like Elon's Neuralink is like dude, the highway is going so is fast. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're getting on the autobahn, and we're like these cars are going so fast. It's a bunch of semi trucks. We're in like a Volkswagen. We're dead no matter what. We might as well try to merge. Do you think that's what Neuralink is? Is like, yo, if we let this thing go, it's going to just destroy us. Might as well, like, try to get on the in club of hyperintelligence. I think this is going to be one of those great areas where we look back in 30 years, if we still have the ability to do so. Are we going to even be here, man? And we say, holy shit, Alex Jones is right. The fucking <laughs> post-humanists, dude. What if, we could have treated this like anything else where you just, you know. But the power, the problem is, is there's the, everyone's like, we shouldn't do that. But it's like nuclear weapons. Like, we shouldn't build nuclear weapons because there's going to be a race. That being said, we're like, yo, but what if we get them first? Then there's just that, like, temptation of God power. And that's kind of like AI, AI right now. Everyone's like, we shouldn't build this. This is going to be a race to the bottom. But man, if we got it, we could really kick the shit out of the Chinese. It's just like that general human... We should have nuked the Russians and the Chinese. Absolutely, I think we absolutely should have. I think that was the biggest flaw ever. I think that was the chance humanity had. Really, because I truly Mao, Mao came out of Soviet Russia. Yeah, no, I honestly think that the United States in '45. Think we should have just been like, oh, this isn't going to be pretty, and I think we should have just destroyed okay, the rest of the I also world. I think that what comes I think there would have been less event. I think there would be less eventual uh, hardship and human suffering if we just went. Uh, I disagree. I think our ability to create hardship for ourselves is... Do you think we would have wiped them out, and but then eventually there'd just be factions of the U.S., and we'd be right back to block one? Yeah. I mean, uh... Carlin, he's sleeping with his eyes open. Let him sleep. No, it's freaking me out. His eyes are open. Wait. I don't well, like... Chris it. is dead. His eyes open, but he's sleeping.